Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The artist Caravaggio lived in the 16th century in Rome, and he was a very gifted artist. In fact, he was very well known throughout all of Europe for his paintings. You can go to the Vatican Museum and see many of his artworks. They're incredibly beautiful. Now, Caravaggio, like many artists of his time, employed a group of apprentices that worked for him. Now, these apprentices watched Caravaggio very closely. They strove to imitate him. They watched his style, his technique each and every day that they were with him. They wanted to be exactly like him. They wanted to be a great artist themselves, known throughout all of Europe. Now, Caravaggio would go around his workshop from day to day where the apprentices were working on consigned work of art. Caravaggio would walk around his workshop and look over the shoulders of his apprentices, making sure that they were doing the artwork correctly. And he would stop and pause over maybe an apprentice. He would gaze at their work for a while, and then he would take the paintbrush out of the apprentice's hand and then apply the finishing touches to that piece of artwork. And it was just those few finishing touches by Caravaggio alone that turned Apprentice's work into a masterpiece. It was just those few strokes of the brush by Caravaggio himself that brought the painting to life. Well, the same thing holds true with Jesus and his apostles. You know, before the Pentecost event, for three years, the apostles, we can consider them the apprentices of Jesus Christ. You know, they were ones in which they constantly were watching Jesus, his style, his technique, and how he preached, how he taught, how he dealt with people, how he performed miracles. They wanted to imitate Jesus. They wanted to be like him. Sometimes they succeeded. Other times they failed. Also during this three-year period, Jesus himself was kind of like a master artist, like Caravaggio. He molded the apostles, he sculpted them, chiseled away the rough edges. But it wasn't until Pentecost that the Holy Spirit, we could say, added the finishing touches to the apostles. The Holy Spirit turned the apostles into a masterpiece. You could say that the Holy Spirit brought the apostles and our church to life. And that's what we celebrate here today, Pentecost. Pentecost truly is the birthday of our church. In this great feast of Pentecost, we celebrate how the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles and literally brought them, our church, to life. And we hear that in all three of the scripture readings for this weekend. The apostles with the Holy Spirit are now complete. They are now a masterpiece in the eyes of God. And they are prepared for the ministry 
to go out and carry out the great commission that Jesus gave them to evangelize the world. Remember last week in the first reading from Acts of the Apostles, Jesus is on that mountainside with the apostles. He's prepared to ascend back into heaven to be with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But before he goes back to heaven, he tells the apostles, go back into Jerusalem and pray to receive the Holy Spirit. And the apostles do just that. Now, prayer. Prayer is the proper disposition to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what the apostles were doing. We hear that in the first reading for this weekend. The apostles were praying right before they received the Holy Spirit. Well, what does prayer do? Prayer opens up our heart, our mind, and our soul. It opens up our will and our intellect to receive the Holy Spirit, but also to surrender to it to allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. We must be people of prayer ourselves, just like the apostles. We cannot say, well, you know, I'm too busy today. I, I can't pray. Or I pray when I feel like it. No, that will not suffice. Instead, we must be people of prayer. We must pray every day, several times a day. In doing so, we make ourselves open. We surrender ourselves you know, to allow the Holy Spirit to thrive within us, to work always through us. And see, at the time of our baptism, we received the first installment of the Holy Spirit. Now, many of us at our baptism, we were baptized as infants, and so we don't remember the event. But nonetheless, our family took us to the church, they gathered around the baptismal font, and they prayed before we were baptized. Now, if you look at the baptism ritual in the rite, there are several prayers that the priest, as well as the families, have to say before the baptism. They pray for the children that they may receive the Holy Spirit. Confirmation is the second installment of the Holy Spirit, and we are sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit at confirmation. Confirmation is always held in the context of a Mass. And as Catholics, we believe the Mass is the highest prayer of our church. And before the Archbishop confirms our teenagers, what he does, he extends his hands over them and he prays for them so that they may receive the Holy Spirit. So we continue that same tradition that the Apostles gave us at this Feast of Pentecost. Prayer, you could say, cultivates and nurtures the proper environment for the Holy Spirit to thrive within us. Prayer is indispensable. Again, it predisposes us to the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. That's the first lesson we can take. Now, skip to the gospel. Here we have Jesus. He appears to the apostles and he breathes upon them. And the apostles receive the Holy Spirit. The apostles receive that divine breath of life. And immediately what happens? They spring into life. They burst out of that upper room. Well, where else do we see God breathing that divine breath of life and someone coming to life? We'll look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. God forms man out of clay from the ground, and then he breathes into the nostrils, and suddenly Adam or humanity comes into being. God brings life to Adam from the ground. Now, appreciate the symbolism here. The Hebrew word 
for ground or clay that is used here is Adama. And the Hebrew word for man is Adam. So God forms an image, Adama, from clay and ground, breathes into the nostrils, and suddenly Adam has life. Humanity comes into being. Well, the same thing holds true here. Jesus gives the apostles that divine breath of life, and they come alive, and they burst out of that upper room that they've been hiding in for days on end for fear of the Jews. They burst out of the upper room just like Jesus burst out of the tomb at the time of his resurrection. And they boldly proclaim the gospel in the streets of Jerusalem. See, now we see the birth of our church on display. At the time of our baptism, we too received that divine breath of life. It was breathed into us and we became alive, spiritually alive. From that moment forward, we began to share a life with Jesus Christ that lasts forever. Paul puts it the best in Galatians. He says, at the time of our baptism, we are grafted on to the body of Jesus Christ. You know, a telltale sign that the Holy Spirit is truly working in and through us is our behavior, how we live the virtuous life. More to it, how we are able to freely give ourselves away, you know, in service to God and others in this world. St. Therese of Lesseur gives us that beautiful quote. She says, Each one, all of us, ought to act as though the perfection of the church is dependent upon our personal conduct. That's beautiful. I'll say that again. Each one of us ought to act as though the perfection of the church is dependent upon our own personal conduct. She puts it in a very succinct way, puts everything in perspective, our behavior, should reflect ourselves as authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Each and every day of our life, our conduct and our behavior should either deepen or distance our cooperation and participation in the divine life that God wants to share with us. And see, that's what Paul is getting at in the second reading. He says, our response to the Holy Spirit in our life is to share the gifts given to us by God for the edification, which means the building up of the church, which truly is stewardship. See, the apostles did that. What was the very first gift that was given to the apostles? Well, they could speak in different tongues. Now realize, these languages that the apostles are now speaking, they were never taught them. They were never trained to speak these languages. But now they suddenly can profoundly speak them in the streets of Jerusalem. And these are the languages of people all over the world, which means now the apostles are equipped to evangelize the world. The apostles used the first gift that God gives them to draw all people back to God by preaching in the different languages. Well, the same thing must happen to us. We, like the apostles, have been given gifts by God. We must use them to draw all people back to God. I'll give you some examples. Say you have the gift of teaching. Good. Teach in the faith formation program. Teach the kids catechism or teach the adults in RCIA. If you use that gift in that way, then you speak the language of faith because you are catechizing people. Say you have the gift of a compassionate heart. You love to visit with people, whomever they are. Well, use that gift. 
go and volunteer and visit people that are in nursing homes or hospitals. Volunteer to take communion to shut-ins. See, if you use that gift in that way, just like the apostles, now you speak a language. In this case, it's the language of comfort and compassion to those people that are lowly and in despair. I'll give you another example. Say you have a great passion for social justice issues, whatever they may be. Well, now go join the St. Vincent de Paul, you know, and help the poor in your society. Or join a Respect Life committee in your parish. See, if you use your gift in that way, then like the apostles, now you speak a language. In this case, it's a language of hope for people that know nothing but hopelessness. See, I would argue Pentecost shouldn't be something we celebrate just one day out of the year. Instead, Pentecost should be something we live out each and every day of our life. First and foremost, be people of prayer, just like the apostles were. Pray every day, several times a day. You know, allow yourself to open your will and your intellect, your heart and your mind to the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit may thrive within you. Then realize the gifts that you've been given, just like the apostles, and then use those gifts, you know, to draw all people back to God. So you now speak a language that you were never taught and you were never trained for, but now you do it, just like the apostles. And in doing so, you share that gift with someone else. You draw those people back to God. And now the Holy Spirit is truly thriving within you. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.